0: The Zaddy Zone, welcome to the Zaddy Zone. Zaddy Zone, welcome to the Zaddy Zone. I want to talk a bit about immunity um, because you've written this book, The Immunity Fix. And around the same time every year, I get the flu or I get the cold. Um, I want to know what the, and it's usually obviously coming into winter, which I think would be the seasonal time. What is the best way to avoid getting sick year after year? Because I think a lot of people are the same. They get
1: sick once a year and that's the time that they get sick. Okay. So you can't like technically avoid it unless you live in a bubble. So you're gonna get you're gonna get inoculated with the virus or with whatever. It's how you respond to it that matters. And that is determined by your nutritional status. And then of course, certain supplements have been shown in clinical studies to have benefits. So N-acetylcysteine has been shown to reduce influenza-like illness by about 30 to 50 percent. Medicinal mushrooms like reishi, maitake, those things also have similar evidence as well. Things like glycine and glutathione. Glycine is an amino acid required for glutathione synthesis, which is an antioxidant, has been shown to have benefits. And even um, bovine colostrum, the mother's first milk, which contains lactoferrin has been as evidence, too, for helping with, you know, colds and things like that.
0: Amazing. So those things there, you
1: know, uh, that you all mentioned, they're things to take when you get sick, correct? There doesn't seem to be any harm for at least, you know, well-quality medicinal mushrooms. Um, some of the studies have lasted six months to 12 months. Um, and actually, n, n-, n- in the clinical study was started just prior to the cold and flu season, and they continued it for six months. So it wasn't like, okay, I got sick. And this is an acute, this was actually started just before the cold and flu symptom. But elderberry is sort of something that's like a short term, if you get sick, does have four clinical studies showing that it reduces the duration and the, uh, basically the severity of both the, the influenza and the common cold.
0: Got it. So those are things to take once you do get sick. And then what are you, you know, and you said like, you kind of mentioned like where you're at when you do get sick nutritionally and metabolically. Yeah, uh, what what can you do to be most ready like you know you're going to go out into the world you're not going to live in a bubble you're going to see people someone's going to have something you're probably going to get it uh how to best be best prepared for that moment
1: if i had to like pick certain nutrients from top to bottom vitamin d is up there magnesium zinc selenium vitamin c those those are like your top dogs Copper is important too, but really every nutrient. I mean, B1, all the B vitamins, they do contribute to your nutritional status and your immune status as well. Vitamin A, vitamin D, which is in cod liver oil. So I do take cod liver oil to try and boost my vitamin A and and vitamin D um, intake. You can't just rely on sunlight. I mean, I do love sun and I love getting morning sunlight to set my circadian rhythms and this and that. But you can't always rely on it for a nutrient status to be optimized.
0: Yeah. So that's what you're mentioning that cod liver oil essentially will help your body get more vitamin D, whether you're getting a lot of sun or not, or it'll help that vitamin
1: D from the sun to actually get into your system. It, it, so if it's, you got to check the bottle because not all cod livers will have a decent amount of vitamin D, but, um, I know for a fact, Rosita, Rosita cod liver oil does have a good amount of vitamin D in it.
0: Got it. Okay. Well, yeah. Cod liver oil seems like a, a my mom was a nurse in the seventies. And so when we were kids, whenever you were sick, it was vitamin C and cod liver oil. And it was, it was that even when you weren't sick, like it was just every, every day, vitamin yeah. C, vitamin C and cod liver oil. So like some of these old things, they make sense and they're tried and they're tried and tested by the science, which is good. Um. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about what not to eat, especially for the immune of the immune system. I mean, I think that part of perhaps the seasonal cold and flu would be the fact that we're all getting together we're partying we're drinking we're
1: eating sugar we're eating fried foods would you say that that's correct well yeah that in regards to that's correct that those type of foods are hurting your immune system 100% alcohol damages the intestine reduces your ability to absorb nutrients actually reduces your ability to activate nutrients as well and flushes nutrients out of your system um which is why this is interesting just a, just a one-day binge on alcohol has been shown to actually cause Wernicke's encephalopathy if you overdo it, which is a severe vitamin B1 deficiency and can kill you. So you got to be really careful with alcohol. It's, it's probably the biggest nutrient depleter you can do if you overdo it. Omega-6 seed oils, which damage the intestine, increase inflammation, and... We got to look at nutrient status, not just from like an intake perspective. Like if a substance is causing your body to be inflamed, then the burn rate for those nutrients dramatically goes up. Um, If you eat a lot of refined carbs, your need for certain nutrients like magnesium, like thiamine, which is B1, all go up. So it's really just avoiding the processed junk and just eating the whole foods that we used to consume over the last 2.4 million years.
0: Yeah, the omega-6... Oils that you mentioned which which are they could you go through a list of them because I get people all the time when I say vegetable oil going, wait coconut oil wait olive oil right.
1: could you just specify which of those are yeah so the, the the oils that you typically want to avoid especially for cooking is corn oil, safflower, sunflower, sesame, peanut oil rice bran grape seed those are the omega six seed oils. The oils that are okay to cook with are extra virgin olive oil, coconut oil, butter, ghee, things like that.
0: And those bad oils that you mentioned, what is the problem with cooking with them? Is it, does it make it carcinogenic, heating it up?
1: Yeah, heating up those, they have a lot of double bonds, which are very susceptible to oxidation when you cook them. And so you form what's called lipid hydroperoxides and aldehydes, which are carcinogenic even breathing them in is carcinogenic. I mean, if you have ever gone through like fast food and just smelling it, you can like, you can like smell the carcinogens coming off of that deep fried food. (laughs) Well, I never knew that 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 was carcinogens. That's carcinogens? Yeah, it is. Wow. How do we use salt to stay hydrated? What's the best way? Well, usually, I mean, how I typically think of this is animals... They don't, track, they don't have any type of tracker. They use their brains. When they have a craving, they go out, find salt via salt lick, and they consume till satiation. And, and we have the same uh, salt thermostat in the brain. Um, just like basically our hunger is controlled by our bodies and how much we need to eat. Salt is very similar. How much we need to consume is controlled by our salt thermostat. So essentially, salt to taste. If you're craving salt, that's typically a good sign that you're not getting enough. And when it comes to hydration, most people get it completely wrong. A lot of people think just consuming plain water is what you should do. And actually that what happens when you consume plain water, whether this be just throughout the day or prior to athletic performance, is you're going to drop your sodium levels. Okay. And that's going to cause the body to actually want to get rid of fluid. You can actually drop your blood volume just by consuming plain water. And that's the last thing you want to do before athletic performance, because what ends up happening is within five minutes of vigorous exercise, because you're pushing so much blood to working muscle and to skin to dissipate heat, you get a drop in blood flow to the heart um, and you get a drop in blood volume of about 8 to 10%. So you want to get ahead of the problem prior to athletic performance. You want to actually pre-hydrate with salt and fluids and boost your blood volume by about 8 to 10% to offset the drop. And people get this wrong. They try to hydrate during vigorous exercise, but you you've missed the boat. Because when you are vigorously exercising, um, your ability to absorb fluids dramatically goes down. So gastric emptying, basically, essentially the fluid flowing from the stomach to the intestine is inhibited when you're vigorously performing. So you really can't get fluids into the body very well. So you want to prehydrate about an hour and a half before performance.
0: Yeah, right. So that's that's really good to know because a lot of people are drinking water vigorously while they're exercising. What they should be doing is what you what you're saying is about 90 minutes before pre exercise drinking a bit of salt and some water. Is that
1: correct? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're looking for acute boosts in performance, your top level benefits are going to come from. Consuming between 3,000 and 4,300 milligrams of sodium in about a liter of fluid. And you slowly consume that over about 30 minutes, starting 90 minutes prior to exercise. Now, if you're just looking for. Um, not a huge boost in performance, but you don't want to like pass out during like performance, then just 2000 milligrams of sodium in about 20 ounces of fluid is perfect. And what does 2000 milligrams of sodium look like? Is that a, like a
0: teaspoon? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, it's just under a teaspoon. So one teaspoon of salt is 2300 milligrams of sodium. So it's usually good to have about a teaspoon of salt in about 20, 24 ounces of fluid 90 minutes before performance.
0: What does a hydrated body, how does it athletically perform better? Like what do we know about when you're really beautifully hydrated, you've had your salt and water 90 minutes prior to
1: exercise, how do you perform better? Yeah. So two two things we can discuss, sort of like what exactly are the benefits and how are you performing better? Sort of like two different questions. So to give you an example, there's been several studies um, of vigorous cyclists in the heat and if they preload it, well, let, let's start off with, they didn't preload with salt and fluids. They were able to vigorously cycle for 40 minutes. Okay. When they actually prehydrated with salt and fluids, they were able to cycle for 61 minutes. So it increased their ability to vigorously cycle for 21 minutes, wow. which was a 52% increase in how long they were actually able to exercise, which that is about 20 times better than any pre supplement you will ever get on the market. So beta alanine only increased exercise duration by about 1 minute. So we're talking so we're talking about 20 times better than your best pre workout. And the heart rate was also down by about 9 to 10 beats per minute and the actual core body temperature was 3 quarters of a degree Fahrenheit less. So those are some of the benefits that you can see. And there's also, it's not just that you can exercise longer, your power output is actually increased. So there was one study that looked at cyclists as well, and they gave them a 15 minute time trial, like how, basically how um, long or how many kilometers can you cycle in 15 minutes? And the people that preloaded with salt and fluids were able to cycle a full kilometer longer in that same period of time. That's how much power output was increased, which is about an eight to 10% increase in power output. So- it's, it's good for both endurance. And the main thing is that it's boosting blood volume. And because you have blood flowing from when you start vigorously exercising, going away from the heart towards working muscle and towards the skin to dissipate heat, you actually have a relative drop in blood flow to the heart. So that increases what's called oxygen demand. It's called myocardial oxygen demand. And if you can boost blood volume prior to performance then you can decrease myocardial oxygen demand. The heart rate will be lower. Blood circulation will be much better. Basically, you can remove waste better. Um, cardiac output is better. So it's just um, basically the linchpin, the main thing that causes people to suffer when they're vigorously exercising their performance is that drop in blood volume.
0: It makes a lot of sense because, you know, when you, when you taste sweat on your own skin, you taste that it's salty, yeah. And so it doesn't really make sense to be hydrating with just water. Right. Can you talk a bit about like what sweat is, what it does? It's 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 an attempt for our bodies to cool itself, is that correct?
1: It is. I mean, if you actually think about it, we are we are the number one mammal that loses the most salt in order to basically thermoregulate, okay? The only other mammal that comes even close and it's only about they it only loses about half the amount of salt that we do is horses. But essentially what we did is we lost fur and we gained the ability to essentially be really good at dumping heat so we could persistent hunt for hours. Whereas other mammals will overheat because they can't basically sweat and cool themselves off. So that's how basically humans fit like physiologically how we work. So we lose on average 1200 milligrams of sodium or half a teaspoon of salt Per hour of exercise. And that will go up as ambient temperature goes up. So if you're exercising at normal room temperature, you lose half a teaspoon of salt. As you hit 80 degrees Fahrenheit, you lose about three quarters of a teaspoon. And then when you hit like 90 degrees Fahrenheit, you lose a full teaspoon of salt for every liter of fluid loss. So my next question is, what if you don't have any salt that you've ingested?
0: And you're exercising to that level at that temperature. What happened?
1: Yeah, I mean, so essentially, if you're exercising in the heat and you're losing a full teaspoon of salt, you can literally die within a few hours if you don't replace the salt and fluids. And, and is, is
0: that salt zapped from somewhere else? Is the body like trying to get salt no matter what it can do? Does
1: it? Yes. Does, yeah. What does it do? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is actually we've learned from balance studies that the body will try to maintain a normal blood sodium by actually pulling sodium from bone. So osteoclasts will become activated, these things that actually degrade bone, and they'll pull sodium with them to try to maintain a normal blood level. But what ends up happening is the body also pulls magnesium and calcium, and it spikes blood, calcium, and magnesium levels. And so the body thinks it's overloaded in magnesium and calcium, and will start flushing magnesium and calcium out of the system and you won't absorb it well from the diet so when you're on a low sodium diet balance studies show you actually become um in negative balance of magnesium and calcium because of this
0: so what does that mean for bones that have had their magnesium sodium calcium zapped from it what does what does that Yeah, like? low
1: sodium intakes are associated with less bone mineral density increase in fractures And then increases in falls as well because of the decreases in blood pressure and the dizziness, what's called syncope and fainting. So you basically have, um, especially an elderly population is very susceptible to this, where if they go from a seated to a standing position and they're on a low salt diet, typically their blood pressure bottoms out, their heart rate skyrockets, and they can pass out and fall. And so sodium is definitely very important, just one of the other minerals that helps to make our bones strong and dense.
0: Which is so interesting because a lot of people, you know, high blood pressure is probably associated more with people of age, you know, who are a little bit older. So, you know, let's just say you wanted to take care of your parents or grandparents, depending on their age. And you know that getting enough sodium for an older person is important, like you just mentioned, especially like for the bones. How do we make sure that our parents and grandparents are
1: getting enough salt Mm -hmm. without affecting their blood pressure and so really it just comes down to diet so you have half the population probably more that are consuming a highly processed food diet so they're they're getting adequate amounts of sodium but they're getting too much refined carbs and sugar and that's spiking their insulin and right. causing them to retain too much salt right so the, the key is to switch them over to a whole food diet but the problem with that is is we no longer consume the salty blood and interstitial fluid that used to come with the whole animal. So it's a very low sodium diet if you start eating whole foods. So you have to replace the salt back. Otherwise, you're not getting the salt that we used to get. Because if you ever look at a a pack of lions, they're just covered in salty blood, right? Because in order to get to the meat, you got to get through the salt and the fluids. We don't get that anymore. So it's really salt to taste. Um, Salt your foods well. uh, And you know, typically I like to actually have about a thousand milligrams of sodium in the morning um, with about 12 to 16 ounces of fluid because you wake up dehydrated because you typically lose about 500 milligrams of sodium at night. Yeah. You've,
0: uh, I, I love the way that I look when I wake up. i have like, everything's yeah. like trim and looking good, but, but it's because I'm dehydrated. And now I've started to do what, what you recommend doing, I just put a bit of salt in my, in my palm, eat it, and drink a big glass yep. of water. If you found this information helpful, go to Episode 2 and listen to the full episode, One Hour, with myself and Dr. James DeNicolantonio.